Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about DC Comics, specifically the DC Comics released on January 24th, 2018. But first, we have some news to get to. So, um, last Friday, I interviewed Scott Snyder uh, at about 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and the DC operative, our friend Clark Bull, said, stay tuned for some news later. And I was like, okay. And then about an hour after that, uh, IGN released that Scott Snyder, Joshua Williamson, and James Tynan IV are co-writing a four-week Justice League event called No Justice, taking place in May, which will uh, happen after Christopher Priest and uh, Steve Orlando's runs on Justice League and Justice League of America, respectively, end. And um, we'll get into the, the sort of the nuts and bolts of the event in a minute, but it seems like Snyder is going to be taking over the proper Justice League title after this four-week event, and that Williamson and Tynan are taking are going to be involved somehow. Also, uh, what do you guys think of the just before we get into the teams and all that about the general shakeup of the Justice League line? I, I know Zach, you were particularly excited about this. Yes, I am. Why? I'm very excited. Tell us why. Why? Why? Um, one, I mean, you guys know I'm not very into either Justice League book right now, so I'm very thankful for a big shakeup. Um, two, I'm glad to see um, Snyder getting to continue to do like a big, um, like DC Universe spanning story you know we've all enjoyed metal quite a bit so it's nice getting to see him do that it's good to see manipool doing something that's not trinity um and the big thing is um man i just i really like that superman team yeah we'll, we'll get to that team in a second um vince what do you think about overall this this shakeup of the status quo well first of all i believe zach's uh Direct quote was, glad the current Justice League and JLA books ending because they are garbage. <laughs> so I know he tried to sugarcoat it here, but... <laughs> that, that is what our text messages said, yes. Oh, man, keep me accountable, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I didn't think they were garbage, but, you know, JLA was hit and miss, and, and uh, well, I thought Justice League was a real improvement under Priest. Um it did kind of feel like it unfortunately had a limited run with him. It, it felt like something else was coming, right? Yes. And, uh, I hope priest gets to stick around with DC. That's, that's like my number one concern. He will, uh, re- I think. I uh, hope so. Well, he, well, here, here's why I think so. And then we'll get back to this. Um, if you read the, uh, the April solicits, there is an event starting called Deathstroke versus Batman. And that's a six-month event taking place within Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a long way to commit if you're not planning on sticking around afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yep. Um, that's true. Um, but I'm definitely excited. I mean, I, I think we've been saying for a long time, probably as long as we've been doing this show, 
how much we wanted Scott Snyder to um, rate something other than Batman. And while I'm sure he's going to be involved with the team that has Batman, Team Entropy, um, just getting him involved in the in the greater DCU as a whole has been a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, we've got freaking Starro on one of these teams, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm pumped at the, the writing talent behind this. I'm excited that Manipul's on board. I'm excited to see who comes next. Um, all right. Well, let's let's take a quick a quick pause here. I, I think maybe we all have different expectations for what this means. What I think this means is that these four teams that were announced and Manipul's involvement. I think all of that is just for that four week event. Oh, yes. I, I think yep. so too. Yeah. I don't yep. think any of that's going to carry over past past that four week event. Um, no, I, I think like pieces of it will, yes, like yes. because because we're still getting like multiple team books, mm-hmm. and so it'll come out. It'll kind of be like um, I don't know what I'm going to try. What I'm trying to compare it to some some semblance of it will continue it'll set it'll be like justice league versus suicide squad setting up jla or something like that yeah 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 Um, yeah but let's talk about the four teams so wait can i just point out how this is like uh x-men red gold and blue (laughs) yes only like way better (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah i actually had a very similar thought about that um uh, last week, so there are these four teams. So the, the series supposedly is about Brainiac alerting the Justice League to this intergalactic threat that is going to wipe out all of humanity, and so the Justice League puts together these four targeted teams to uh, to deal with the threat. There's Team Mystery, which is Superman, Martian Manhunter, Starfire, Sinestro, and Starro. There's Team Entropy, which is Batman, Lobo, Lex Luthor, Beast Boy, and Deathstroke. There's Team Wonder, which is Wonder Woman, Raven, Dr. Fate, Zatanna, and Etrigan. And Team Wisdom, which is The Flash, Cyborg, The Atom, Harley Quinn, and Robin. Which, uh, can I say the names of these teams is, is the worst part of this whole thing <laughs> so far? Aw, I like them. <laughs> I, like I don't know if you, saw, I don't know if How, you saw my idea, but I, I felt like if there were books for each of these teams coming out, that they should call them, like... Mystery League, Entropy League, <laughs> Wonder League, cool. Wisdom yeah. League. Yeah, that, that, that's a cool idea. I could dig that. Um, but yeah, I uh, there's been a lot of really bad discourse around this thus far, as you know, as it, it's it's comics on the internet. You have to kind of expect shitty discourse. But there was, I believe, a CBR article that was titled something like "Do Raven and Beast Boy." Deserve, deserve to be on the Justice League. And, like, first of all, this is a limited event, so who cares who deserves what? It's a four-issue miniseries. That's number one. Number two, even if they were to join the team, those characters have been Teen Titans since the early 80s. Like, <laughs> and and Beast Boy was on Doom Patrol before then. Like, yes. Yes, they deserve to be in the Justice League. Also, it's fake. No one deserves anything. It's, uh... It's your fictional characters. <laughs> Nothing's real. Nothing is real. Exactly. Um, so, 
Zach, you said the team mystery is the team that is most interesting to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's, uh, like far and away the one I'm most interested in. Um, you know, Starro alone, I think is the like most interesting (laughs) character on any of these, like the most, you know, oddball addition. Um, but also, I mean, Martian Manhunter being back, Sinestro is is a is a favorite, um, and then rounding it out with uh, Clark and, and Starfire is is really good. I I'm like, it's been a while since I've been able to like really get excited about DC cosmic stuff. So this um, definitely piques my interest. Vince, which is the team that's the most exciting to you? Uh, team Wonder to me. Me as well. Uh, although, 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 Team Mystery is not far behind. Um, no, I actually, I mean, I think all four of these are pretty good teams. Yeah, I think I think Team Wisdom kind of blows it by having Harley on. <laughs> Agreed. That's my, I mean, yeah. That's... <laughs> if you recall, I believe my exact text to you guys was something like. I love all of this, this except for fucking Harley Quinn. So, uh, I'm I'm honestly not sure why she, she would have made way more sense. I think on Bruce's team on Entropy, mm-hmm. maybe like sub her out for Beast Boy, which is a weird fit. Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. I feel like her and Lobo together is. Uh, is like is the dream of the nineties come alive? Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest sort of initial excitement about this is something we've talked about a thousand times also, which is that we're really sick of the Justice League meaning the same seven characters. Mm-hmm. So to not have a Green Lantern here, but to have you know Sinestro and Beast Boy and Zatanna and Deathstroke and fucking starro like you know that's that is really fun for me i like it when the justice league is not made up of this of the big seven yeah and and i love i love these costumes as things that you would you would never want this to be the status quo for the character but for like a mini series i love this idea that they're all in these like color-coded costumes with similar ribbing and right yeah and and the little lights for like space travel or whatever now that ribbing is is that for her pleasure it's for, it's for our pleasure. Okay, okay. It's for the oh, horny Zach over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to your point about like the 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 regular Justice League characters that we usually see, it, it is pretty interesting that there's not a single Green Lantern on any of these. What do, do we think that that's because? Green Lanterns are going to be doing something completely big and different of their own. Yes. Like, is that is because the, they are due for a refresh, right? Yes. Um, so he, so he, they're he, actually canceled. Um, no more Green Lanterns. <laughs> it's over. The whole the whole project's done. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, when when talking with Snyder, he you. Know, we had no like off the record conversations. This is not me speaking out of school. This is all stuff that he said in in the uh the interview. But he said that 
like essentially there's a lot of stuff coming out of metal that some of it is Justice League related, some of it's not, and that Bendis is part of it. Mm. And I feel like conspicuous by their absence are the Green Lanterns, and also conspicuous by at the absence here to me is uh, there is nobody from the Titans team. There are Teen oh, yeah, Titans, sure. there are Justice League, there's JLA, there's people we haven't seen in a while, there's, there are no Titans here. And um, so I, I wonder if, if that's a clue to something also. And, and I mean, I guess this is a smaller thing, but both um, Aquaman and Mira are missing as well. As are the Hawks. Uh, Hawkman, right. As are anybody who's part of the Terrifics. Like I, I would think, just based on sort of how um, how a big deal is being made of of Plastic Man's return and how important he's going to be to the end game of Metal, that he's not involved with this seems a little bit strange, you know. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of those things that are happening alongside this, but I think that this is a very like this is one of those things that they could announce before the end of Metal and doesn't spoil anything. Whereas I feel like you're going to have to see certain things happening in the Wild Hunt and Metal Number 6 before we can announce certain other projects. Didn't they say that there is one... It's it's only Snyder, Tanyan, and um, Williamson working on No Justice, right? Right, but they, 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 they somewhat implied that that could grow when the event's over. That's what I thought, yeah. I don't know. You mentioning Wild Hunt just made me think. Uh... Garrett Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't think that these teams are going to stick around beyond that. When it, when this was first announced, I was I was in the middle of doing something at work, and I was kind of just I quickly read the article, and I thought that these were announced as like four Justice League books going forward. And I don't know how I'd feel about this if the Justice League was just made up of five characters. Like, if each book was just focusing on five characters. I don't know how I'd feel about that. But I think for a miniseries, this is about as fun as you can get with the Justice League lineup. This is this is super interesting. Yeah, me too. I think so too. Anything, yeah, else, I'm to, anything else to add about these? Um... I think whatever you know we get spinning out of this, we're definitely going to get some kind of um, magic Justice League Dark type book. I'm going to hang my hat on that. Mm. I don't think it'll be called that, but I think having that Team Wonder team, I don't think Wonder Woman will be on it, but just with all the stuff we're getting in Metal plus this, I think that's like the one guarantee I'm willing to bet on. See, I think... That we're going to get something not, not too dissimilar to that. I think we're going to get a uh, essentially Justice League Science. Okay. Where it's going to be like, because um, like, it was one of the things that Snyder talked about was like there are all these science forward characters like uh, Plastic Man, the Hawk, Hawkman, Adam Strange, stuff like that. So just I, I think instead of focusing on magic, it'll be focusing on science. But I think. That there's there's more crossover there than you think. What what is what is 
magic, but science we don't understand. <laughs> there we go. Boom. Um, Vince, any closing thoughts on this? Um, no, I think we covered it. I'm excited. Yeah. This is the type of stuff that gets my gears going. Oh, it doesn't too. grind your gears. No, no, it's not grind my gears. No, it. Uh, but just th- this is like, I love Justice League teams being shaken up and cosmic threats and all that. This is this is good stuff. Um. So we're we're gonna we're gonna dive right in here, folks. Uh, we're gonna dive into Doomsday Clock number three. So. Um, in the uh, we, we've referred many times in this episode and others to the the DC three uh, group text that 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 we have going for years now. Actually, we've been doing this group text, and uh, Vince always reads the books first, and so you can always kind of gauge how Vince feels the minute the books come into our possession, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Zach and I usually read them later. And Vince was instantly really down on Doomsday Clock number three. I I, I tend to, to to keep my mouth shut in those in those texts a little bit because uh, usually because I'm reading the book so last minute. But I, I had read Doomsday Clock pretty early on, and I didn't say much about it. But then Zach said the other day that that he's that he's enjoying Doomsday Clock now. That this issue kind of kind of turned him turned him around a little bit. So. The way I want to approach this is, is first I want to hear from Vince about why he disliked this issue so much. Then I'm going to hear from Zach about how, why he liked this issue so much, and then I'll kind of tip my hand after that. Does that sound fair to everybody? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to say, as always, I fall somewhere in the middle. Well, <laughs> I'm not a pedantic asshole, so yes. <laughs> oh. Um, so you want me to tell you why I hated this issue? Yeah, let's start there. Oh, God, let me count the ways. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I don't really have a great, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, things I dislike throughout this issue individually. I don't really have one great overarching point other than to say that I still don't think that this is the book that Jeff Johns told us it was going to be. I don't think it's anything. I think, you know, when he said he was going to, he understands how careful he needs to be with the Watchmen property. I think this is anything but careful. I think this is haphazard and, um, doing a lot of things with these characters that, that don't seem like they need to be done. If this, you know, if the story is going where it looks like it's going, I don't think you even needed a lot of this. And and so to say that, you know, he understands how, how you know, Watchmen needs to be dealt with with kid gloves, I don't think, I don't think he is. Um, everything from showing the replay of the Ozymandias comedian fight from the opening pages of the original Watchmen, but from a different angle so you can see that it's Adrian Veidt the whole time and to plucking the comedian out of time after he hits the pavement to showing up in the DCU or whatever to 
having them fight again and then oh it's so clever this time adrian's the one who goes out the window it's like <sighs> that's not being careful with these characters it's 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 exploiting them at this point really um i, I don't think it's cle- i don't think it's as clever as john's thinks it is to to use them in this way and more importantly the most imp- the most interesting stuff about this issue had nothing to do with them and I, I, every issue that passes has me wishing more and more that even though it wouldn't get the attention or make the money that this book is, I wish Johns would have just written the story of the DCU rebirth. And because this stuff, I mean, we'll get into it, but this stuff with the Superman theory, the 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 metahuman stuff. Is very interesting. Even more interesting than that is the um, Johnny Thunder retirement home, Nathaniel Dusk mystery type stuff. And I'm sure that that's going to fold in with the Watchmen stuff eventually. I'm, I'm certain that's the case. But I can just imagine a book that that deals only in that material and doesn't doesn't treat the Watchmen characters uh, sort of carelessly like this and. Uh, and that's the book I want. I just keep coming back to that. So we'll get into individual things that I hated more. But I think my my biggest disappointment is that this isn't nearly the the work of of care and and you know there's there's not a careful hand guiding this like like we were kind of promised. So Zach, go go ahead. I will say that I don't disagree with anything that you just said. And yet, I really don't care that much. Um, That's fair. I, I, so at the end of issue two, I, we didn't get to talk about this because this was when I was sick and I missed all those books. But at the end of issue two, when the comedian shows up, I was pretty much just like, Nope, this is dumb. Um, <laughs> and I even figured that it would be explained the way it was explained in this issue. It would be something similar to this. But something about seeing it made me not hate it. And I, from like those opening pages, when I kind of like got over that, I was like, you know, I really don't care that Dr. Manhattan plucked him out of his universe and saved him from death and changed everything and now it's different and yeah like i i i don't really mind that much and i I think we keep we circle around to this a lot i think when we talk about the reverence of watchmen and i always kind of tend to circle it back around to like i don't revere watchmen all that much and so i don't really care that these characters aren't being um you know handled with clean white gloves as you position them, you know, that they're not treated like adult action figures. Um, I, I just don't, I don't really mind. Um, all the other stuff that you said that you mentioned, Vince, like the DC specific stuff, I'm very in for, like, this is the kind of book I get excited for the, like the, the book that, um, propels the overarching story, you know, and kind of sets everything up. Um, 
I'm I'm all in for all that stuff. I definitely do wish that it was more that than the Watchmen stuff. I fully agree with you. I would rather be reading that book. But given that this is the book we have, I am like I'm I'm in at this point. Like I know it's not um like I understand why people do and will think poorly of it, but at the same time, when there's, like, so little, as we've discussed, there's, like, so little right now um, going on in the DCU that I'm excited about, I am genuinely excited about this book and, like, want to read it. So, um, well, yeah, that kind of shapes I, my enjoyment of the issue. So, I, I did some, like, quick back-of-the-envelope math before. And uh-huh. if if they keep the book on the <laughs> schedule they're talking about now, it's not going to end until July of 2019. Right. <laughs> so, strap in. That's, that's the most annoying thing about all of this. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. So, so, so here here is where I stand with all this. I actually agree with a lot of what both of you said, but i i have a I have more of a problem with this than. Then I I have more of a problem with the Watchmen stuff than Zach, and I have more of a problem with the DC stuff than Vince does. Mm. But I think ultimately Vince still dislikes it a little bit more than I do. Um, so let me start with this. So are we supposed to believe it? And I, in in the interest of full disclosure, I read this issue one time. I wanted to read it again before we recorded. Life got in the way. It didn't happen. Um, are are we supposed to be implying here that? Dr. Manhattan, after the events of Watchmen, went back and plucked the comedian out? Or are we supposed to believe that the, as the comedian is about to hit the ground in that 1985 timeline, he is taken away? Because to me, that cha- that's a really important question, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll, say, I'll say why in a second. But what do you guys think? I mean, it certainly looks like he changed things. Why do you say that? Just the way that the the like the story is presented, you know, it shows him falling out it the never window, shows and then we can. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. It like fades to black, and then the reopens. button comes to the yeah, yeah, and the bu- shows the him come two comes to the DCU, right. right, right, and it shows him falling into water. So like it's implied that he's falling, falling, falling into the DC universe ocean. See, here is my problem with, with this whole thing. To me, it's a, it's not like, I don't think Dr. Manhattan really goes back and changes things. Like we just reread Watchmen for as powerful as he is. He never goes back and undoes anything. He, 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 he exists in the moment. You know, all the things that, that happened in Watchmen that sort of discredit him, the cancer and all of that, if he was able to go back and change that, it seemed like he would have done so, but he didn't have that ability. So the way I read this, and I could be reading this totally wrong, and we're actually going to have our friend Greg Matasevich on next month to talk about this. Uh, he want, I talked about coming on and talk about it. And just real quick sidebar, for our 100th episode, Greg sent the three of us each some, some beautifully bound DC books, and I... I, I can speak for myself here. I think I can speak for both the other boys. We did not deserve that at all. And uh, thank you so much, Greg, for your kindness and generosity uh, towards the show. 
We are not worthy. We are not worthy. Um, no, they're they're amazing gifts. They, I, I can't. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's so so cool. Um, but anyway, thank you, Greg. Yes, thanks, thanks forever for everything, Greg. Um, but I I had read it sort of of this is this is what happened that that everybody was perceiving it to happen the way it happened in Watchmen, but really, you know, the comedian's body was swapped out for somebody else. Because I, I, do we ever aside from like, do we ever see him dead? I can't. I honestly can't remember. I know we see him no, I fall. I don't think so. No. And and so Maybe. I'm not. Sure. I don't remember. But there's a ton of blood pooling into the sewer, and so right. But I mean, he could. Yeah, have... somebody. They find a body though, like. But I don't know. But wouldn't the body have been like completely fucked up? So. Anyway, anyway let me. Let so me what are you my... suggesting? What are you suggesting that the body was switched out? Yeah, I mean. I... I mean, look, I don't know what I'm suggesting, and, and that's oh, part of the that problem here. That makes it so much worse. <laughs> but well, see, that's and see, that's my that's my thing. I feel like I have no problem, proverbially, like dressing up the the Watchmen guys again for an all new adventure. I think it's dumb, but like that doesn't bother me intellectually. It bothers me intellectually if Johns is saying. Everybody knows that that the comedian died when he was sitting out the window. What this book presupposes is maybe he didn't. Like I, <laughs> I, I fucking hate the fact that this is completely that that potentially. And again, I could be misreading this. It seems to me like this is suggesting that the events of Watchmen did not happen in the way that they were presented in Watchmen. And if that's the case, then like all of this was set in motion by the comedian's death. And he didn't die, and so none of none of what happened in Watchmen needed to happen. And I just feel like that's well, a, that's a real insult to the readers, who who are the reason they're doing this now. Well, it, it I mean it depends on how you like think about time. Like you could lay it out linear, assuming that it happens the way that we're kind of assuming it does based on the page. Then Watchmen happens. Dr. Manhattan goes over to the DCU, does some stuff, goes back, plucks Blake out. Like, if you think about it linearly along Dr. Manhattan's timeline, then it's like he creates this alternate Watchmen universe where things happen differently. Then it's like Watchmen still happens, but then it doesn't. But it still happened. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said... I have more of an intellectual problem with with nothing was as it appeared to be versus this is a new story with those characters. Um so I I'm I'm mostly just interested to see why John thinks this should have happened. That that's, okay, that's, that's the other part of the coin. Not only is not only do I not think he's really treating Watchmen with a with a a gentle hand, but I, I'm still not seeing why this matters or why this is vital. We were told that this is a, a book that, you know, reflects the times in some way, and I'm not seeing any of it. And I know there's 12 issues. I know there, I know well, we're only a third of the way Vince, through this, but God, when they you know the times they are a changing. They are a changing. <laughs> well played. Well oh, played. Come gather around, people. That's the best part of that movie. Um, Vince. Um, but, but so, okay, so that, that, that's my take on the Watchmen stuff. My take on the, the DC stuff, I, 
first of all, like you know, you don't have to sell me on the JSA coming back. I like that stuff. I even like the idea of like the project. Oh, which like now that like, oh, I was just gonna say that like this pretty much like confirms what Didio said that like this is the book that he was talking about. Yes, yes. Um, but so like I, I I'm I'm on board with that. I understand that they're they're doing this like faux George Reeves thing um with the, with the actor and and I can get behind that I'm sure. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, but, but here here is my problem with that. Uh and, and it's not really a problem is the wrong word, but and I just want to say also like the the whole like project Superman thing. I have no problem with that even if that sounds very flashpointy to me. Um <laughs> like I I I have no problem with 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 that as a storyline. What I love like we talked about this when we reread Watchmen is how I feel like I enjoyed the Black Freighter stuff way more this time than I had any other time. But I feel like the the Black Freighter exists because it's it's this kid who was able to get out of his like his own kind of sad little reality by, by putting himself into this comic book and letting his imagination run wild and letting his just sort of tying in his uh, that's what I'm looking for. Just getting outside of himself, right? It's looking forward. It's using his imagination to look beyond himself. The difference here is that Johnny Thunder and these characters are watching a movie that doesn't project them forward. It projects them back into the past. And it's bringing them back to a time when they were happier. It's not, it's not proactive. It's reactive. And I feel like that is what everybody throws at Johns all the time. It's like, what Johns did in when Johns was at his most influential for DC, he brought back all the characters that he loved from when he was a kid. It was all about sort of restoring things to how they were instead of building into something new. And I think that this is a, a, a reflection of that, where it's saying like these characters are watching something, they're bringing themselves out of their miserable situation by reminding themselves of how good the world used to be. And I feel like that's in a way, even more cynical than what Alan Moore was doing in Watchmen. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I can get behind that. And again, like like Vince said, this is a 12-issue series. We have only have three. We're going to be doing this for a long time, boys. It's going to be, uh, you know... It's it's gonna be is it July of next year is because because they're skipping February, they're skipping so March, March twenty eight mm-hmm. March eighteen June eighteen August eighteen that'll be number six, uh, October eighteen is seven, December eighteen is eight, March nineteen, April nineteen. June 19. It's crazy. It's crazy how long it's going to take us to finish this fucking story. Well, although, like, Johns did say that I I saw somewhere he said he hoped to get back on a monthly schedule at some point, but, you know, who knows? It's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unless Gary Frank. Well, I'm nothing if not fickle, so I'll probably change my mind several times (laughs) over the next year and a half, so. Um, but let, let's let's briefly talk about some things we actually see on the page here. Um, 
So aside from we we talked about the the Vite uh, comedian sort of tussle already, but we get uh, a little more Rorschach here. We see that Rorschach was uh, was was neither of the people we thought Rorschach was. <laughs> um, we still don't know who he is necessarily. And then we see Bruce lock him up in Arkham. Yeah, like the oh, asshole. Man, lock him up. I couldn't tell if that um, was perfect did Bruce or else... terrible Bruce. <laughs> I mean, that's what Bruce does. He does the like asshole thing, and then by the end, he'll save the day or whatever. Yeah. Um. Did, Zach, did anyone it? else think that this was going towards uh towards Saturn Girl when he talked about the time anomaly in yes. Arkham? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because she's been yeah. Yep. As a bait and switch. Another one. Yeah, which is interesting because they still do need to deal with that. Yeah. Um Yeah, that was that was pretty smart. Um Zach, you had a theory that you think this Rorschach might be sticking around? Yeah. Uh, I, like, 100% think it would be a wasted opportunity, at least with the way this is going, to not, not have him stick around and be the new question. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what uh, I... That's kind of what I said at the start of this. Not Not that he would stick around or this character would... But that from... From the moment issue one opened, it really felt like Jeff Johns was trying to, rather than explain why the original Rorschach was bad or or not somebody that you should admire or think is cool, he was going to try to reclaim Rorschach as a good guy by putting somebody else under the hood. And I can, can, I can see that spinning off into a series after this because... Um, it's it's a way to bring the question back who's been missing and it's a way to sort of redeem this character who people like but maybe for the wrong reasons yeah um yeah so we got to talk about a couple different um marionette and mime stuff there's a big thing with them that i haven't really seen anybody talk about is this what you texted us mm-hmm. no no sorry Vince, no, you texted, I don't think so. You texted us a theory that you read someplace, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend Tim online. Let's let's uh, <clears throat> Libraryman man Tim on Twitter. He uh, do we want to Zach? Do we want to say what you're going to say first, or do do we want to say what I'm going to say? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if they're the same thing. About you can do baby? yours first. Oh no, mine's different. Oh okay. Well, Tim, Tim, Tim just like threw out like, oh, they're going to go look for uh, the Joker and it's the, their baby is going to be the Joker as well. One of the, one of the three Jokers, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And I couldn't tell if at first it was like offhanded or if he was totally serious. And uh, it turns out he was serious. And the more I think about it, the, that could be where this is going. And if so, I really want out. <laughs> I don't visible exactly... handgun. That's what <laughs> oh, I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about because that's actually kind of a 
big deal because it implies that he has some kind of like metahuman ability and no one else in the Watchmen universe had metahuman abilities outside of Dr. Manhattan. Well, wait a minute. I think it actually implies that he doesn't, that what we thought may have been a uh, metahuman ability isn't anymore. It's some kind of, what do you mean? Well, because in, in the first couple issues, we saw him do things with invisible, with invisible objects and, there was no evidence that they were physical at all, and that 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 could right. Have been it was like he was thing. just miming. Yeah. Yeah, but now we see that the we the like invisible handgun, the faint outline of this invisible handgun, and it's making me think. Well, now this proves that they're it's not that he's not a metahuman. That he has a real gun that is wrapped in some sort of. Yeah. So you think it's like a technological thing? Right. So I think it's the reverse of what you're saying. But I'm not saying you're you're necessarily wrong. I'm just telling you the way that I read it. I I read it as a confirmation that Dr. Manhattan is still the only metahuman. I I read it the same way and I and I think that it actually it it sort of in in a way it both props up and knocks down my favorite scene from the first issue, which was when he went into the locker to get his weapons. And they were like, they're very special weapons. And the joke is that there's nothing there because he's a mime. Yeah. But no, what if they actually were very special weapons that are invisible? See, I read it as we saw that invisible outline just because we needed some kind of visual representation that it was an actual thing that he was doing, I guess. You know, I, I still saw you, it as him creating act- something. You see like the actual. Creating- you see the actual flare of the shot and the smoke too, though. So like, right? Well, I just saw that as like a construct, you know, almost kind of like a like he makes things. You, you're probably right. You're probably right. I saw it though as like he has some kind of ability to like craft things, mm. like you know, I don't know. Yeah. See, and I and I saw that as like you can. You can use whatever, you know, invisible or reflective tape or whatever, you know, science-y thing you can to disguise the gun, but you can't disguise the the shot or the smoke. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not not sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I think either of us could be right, but... I I mean, honestly, your thing would be way better because it would be really weird to have like a meta human coming from the Watchmen universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That John's created out of nothing and, and just like all of a sudden he's there, you know? Um, yeah, that would have been that that's weird. Okay. So it's also, it's also weird that they just decide they need to go and find the Joker for no reason. Yeah. Do they have any reason to find the Joker? He sounds interesting. Yeah, but they don't, they're not, they're, what are they doing here? You know? I don't know. They're here to just be the twisted Bonnie and Clyde Joker and Harley characters, aren't they? Uh-huh. Oh, God. So, what I was going to say is, I have a couple of questions for you guys, and I want you to answer more likely or not likely. It's likely or not likely, okay? So, here we go. Are we ever going to see Night Owl or Silk Spectre in this book? 
<sighs> yes. I hope not. You think it's more likely but, than not, Vince? I think it's more likely than not. Zach? I think... I mean, at this point, I would have said that we would have never seen the comedian, and I would have clearly been wrong. Um, I don't think... I don't think that they will play an active role. I'll say that. I think we may see them. Okay. But that they won't do anything. Okay. I'm I'm saving my big... I, I had this thought a couple days ago, and I purposely haven't texted it to you guys yet. But I, I'm going to save that for my third question. My second question. At the end of this book, do you think that we will have any more, quote, information about what happens in Watchmen, or is all of this going to be undone? Is it more likely that this stuff sticks around and informs the way people read Watchmen going forward, or is this all going to be wiped out at the end? I don't know exactly what you mean by wiped out, but I don't think it will inform the way you're supposed to read Watchmen or the way people read Watchmen. Let's think of it this way. like After Flashpoint, like, Flashpoint didn't matter. Well... I mean, it, it still matters, though. Like, it matters now. But, it, but like... They keep, they keep coming back to it. But it, it mattered as a catalyst. It didn't matter. Like, the events of those books didn't matter. Like, Superman being okay. a scrawny kid didn't matter. You mean the tie-ins? I mean the actual, like, the Flashpoint timeline. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um... No... No, because I well, it depends what you mean by it or how specific you want to get. Because I do, I do think Zach's theory that that this Rorschach could cross over is definitely possible. Like I feel like he could be the re- the redeemed character from all of this, who gets to live in the new DCU and and proves Superman's theory about humans right or something like that. You know. Uh, like like he redeems this whole thing, and Doctor Manhattan tucks his dick between his legs and goes home, and uh, you know he gets to stick around, and in that way, we'll always have a reminder that this happened, right? You know, so if you're if you're counting that as something that is going to last or stick around, yeah. then then yes, then I think I think there is going to be something like that that ends up in the dcu i think the vast majority of what we see here from the watchman side is going to get tucked back away and not come out again okay but i think i think we are going to see a character like like this rorschach character slip into the the dcu because i i really believe they can't help themselves at this point I, I also think that mime and marionette are going to stick around i think oh, so too God. i think if anybody's oh, gonna be i'd rather Shoot me in the fucking head, you guys. I think I think I think all of those three for sure. You know, but those are like quintessential John's characters. Those are like they're they're straight rogues, you know. That's true. Yeah. Alright, so so here's the question. I I thought of this the other night and I got mad. (laughs) So bear with me here. Let me see if I can explain this well, because it's a little bit complicated. So if 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 my reading of the first bit of this issue is correct and that in the 
and that the comedian never really died. He was just plucked out and brought here. Then we are 100% going to get the same revelation about Rorschach, aren't we? No. Uh, Maybe. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, again, it all comes down to like what Johns thinks Dr. But, Manhattan's motivations but can't you are see that? here. Can't you see that, that that's going to be the whole thing is that it's, you know, is it, it appeared that he, that he killed him, but no, he had already created this sort of pocket universe and he's just throwing him over there. And he's going to show up. I mean, up. yeah, I can see that. He's yeah. going to show up. Uh, it's going to be like the end of issue number 10 and you're going to see like About- some guy eating fucking beans at a diner and he's going to say Herm and then we're going to have to wait six months for the delayed issue to figure out <laughs> how this all happened. Now, I, I actually think that's how the issue, like the series is going to end. <laughs> that's uh, the last page. Gag me with a bean spoon. <laughs> But I mean, no yeah, need to I heat them up. They're good cold. That that would be so cheesy. But doesn't so, that seem like the, where this is going? It absolutely seems that way, and I'm sick to my stomach now. <laughs> I told you it made me mad. No, oh, that's that is so obvious. That's so over the top. God damn! I'm not, I'm not going to get myself mad about something. <laughs> that is theoretical at this point, but <laughs> oh, dude! If I I'm right, know. if I'm right, we're all getting Telos tattoos. <laughs> Great. No, no, we're not. Hey, can, can I tell you about? Can I tell you about one of the other few things that I really liked? Sure. I like Batman's new costume. Yeah. It's it's like oh, the it's, it's very like the Batman Earth One costume or the Batman Inc costume. Yeah, I, I've always liked the the yellow oval. Always, I think it's fantastic. I wish it was a little bigger, but that's a well. Thing. I I have that. I feel that way about myself. So <laughs> you wish you were a little bit taller. You wish you were a baller. Do you know that song? Yeah, I wish I had Skilo? a phone. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just not a fan of this, man. And and each issue gets worse for me because, um, you know, Zach, you, you were talking about how you don't really revere Watchmen as much, and like, I think I've said in the past too that I think it's an amazing work of comic art. But it's not. It's not that I. It's not that I revere these characters or this property in some like. You revere. You the, revere the more what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or. Yeah. 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 But I just. I, at the end of the day, I just also don't think they fit. Like, I watch this kid in a Rorschach mask walk around behind Batman while he reads the journal. And I just think it's ridiculous, you know. There, there's I something mean, disagreeable to me. Go, go ahead. Maybe I'm just so desensitized to like comic, but I, I don't know. Is it any more ridiculous than a Batman Ninja Turtle crossover? Well, or... we're, being, we're being told that this counts. Yes, I, I mean, 
mean, it, in the way that any of these things count. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, see, and you're right too. I think we're both like right, the authority. You know? The authority launched via a alien uh, stormwatch crossover. You know, like yeah. that yeah. counted, and that's absurd. Um, well, maybe not absurd. I guess aliens fit it. I don't know. To me, to me, this is this is so different than Batman Turtles or like Scooby Doo Team Up or any other quote absurdist comic because this is being preened as the most important thing that's ever happened. It's about the way it's being tonally presented that bothers me. If this was like, do you remember? I think it was around the time the the film came out. Somebody made like a Watchmen Babies fake uh, trailer. Yeah. Oh, that was no. It was the Watchmen Saturday Morning Cartoon. That's what it was. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And the, <laughs> there was some great stuff in that. There was like, some great stuff in that. Yeah. When that uh, when when the comedian's like, if I could only get that kiss, and it's from his daughter, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, For the Watchmen. Well, you you know way too much about that. Uh, that oh, I thought that, that was hilarious at the time. Yeah, but what I was going to say the, is like... The, the Watchmen Babies is a Simpsons thing. Okay, yes, I'm sorry. Um, but but my point was that like, if... if it's a regional dialect. <laughs> if they were bringing back the Watchmen for something that was campy or that was very much, this is a side story, this doesn't matter that much, this is just a fun thing for our readers... I, I have no problem with that. I the problem I have is that the implication is that the DC universe needed the Watchmen characters to fix itself, and I have a problem with that because I thought it was fine beforehand. Oh yeah, the New Fifty Two was real good. Yeah, <laughs> I th- the the thing is is that I think the DCU could have fixed itself without yeah, Watchmen. Exactly, it, it could have, it could have, but I I don't know. I also like. I don't have the same tonal dissonance because even though it is Watchmen, these are all still just comic book characters to me. Yeah. They, it's real to me, like, damn it. Like, <laughs> I see, seeing Batman and, and Rorschach interact is just, it's not surreal. It's not, it's not even really special. It's just, these are two characters interacting with each other. Oh, see, I wish I could get to that place, but I can't. I when I see it, I just think that I think this is surreal. That's actually the best word for it. Like when <laughs> when uh, when Batman and Rorschach are palling around and he fires the grappling hook, I I just think like this is absurd. You know, this is yep. this is. It's this weird dissonance that I just can't escape, and I can't. I can't say that it's because I am in. I I, I love Watchmen, I do, but it's not because. It's not because I. Could, don't want to see those characters used in any other way, or you know. It's I. I guess I don't want to see them used in this way. You know, yeah. I don't want them. It's kind of what Brian said about how important they're... I mean, it's... A lot of it is based on that first sort of press conference that we got from Jeff Johns and that first round of interviews. I keep coming back to that. I can't escape that. 
And everything he says there is that this is about something. And for the life of me, I can't figure out what it is. And I don't think it's my problem. <laughs> I think I think it's just not there. What 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 he was talking about then is not here yet. And I don't believe it's ever going to happen. I don't think that this is a, a comic that says anything about the world in 2017, 2018. I... Because this actually says something about 2019. We're not there yet. That's why. <laughs> no, it's because, oh. it's because the current reality is so ridiculous that somebody might as well drop a intergalactic tentacled space alien on us right now because... Yeah. I don't. I have one interjection before we move on to the other books, but I I want to wait until we're officially done talking about this book. I I I just have one question for Vince. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey Vince, what's Rorschach's favorite Beatles song? You <laughs> uh, can do this. Something with Herm. I don't know. Her Majesty. God. Her Majesty is a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Boom, boom, except boom, her. Boom. <laughs> All right, Zach, finish us off. This is this is just something that I thought of when they announced the delays. Um, if this book really does take a, like two years to do. Um, do you think they will try to supplement it with any any kind of fifty two esque fill in the gap oh. tie in? Okay, so it's it's interesting you mentioned that. So we were talking last week on this. I think it was actually before we started recording. But uh, Vince and I had kind of similar ideas, which is, and he articulated it better than I could have, which is that when this was announced, it was going to this took place a year in the future. And the DCU is going to catch up to it by the time it was over. Now, because it's going to take an additional, like, literally six or seven months more than anticipated, what's going to happen? Is the DCU going to have to, like, slow its roll for the next year and a half to figure out how to uh, how to deal with this? Is it going to, like, leap ahead of this book? Is like it's it, There's going to be a lot of weird, like time things going on but i don't think they're gonna do a uh, a one year later or a 52 type thing because, because i think we're supposed to be living that right now so you think they're just gonna decompress everything yes i, I feel like the temptation to do some kind of tie-in is just really strong and now this gives them the chance to can i suggest that maybe oh see i don't think they'll do a tie-in because I think the one thing that John said that I absolutely do believe him on is that this was going to be 12 issues and that's it. And like that there wouldn't be tie-ins and that there wouldn't be like dollar bill one shots. uh, Well, I guess when I say tie-in, I mean like a, a like a a countdown to like a leading up to a prequel while, while the current book is still going. I see. Yeah. Um, um, Can I suggest that maybe some of this uh, Scott Snyder stuff coming out of metal and the New Age of Heroes stuff kind of supplements that? 
I, I like, think you're I think you're right, especially with how much like this the metamorpho stuff seems to be important and that terrific's um, book is going to be really important, I think. I think so too. It's really weird that a book with a team name that's completely new and pulled out of the blue and full of characters that haven't really been around in the current iteration of the DCU for a while is going it suddenly seems like it's going to be really important. Well, when you think about that's it, it's like, so weird. It, it ties into metal, it ties into mm-hmm. Doomsday Clock, it ties into ties into Legion. It ties into like so many different things. So yeah, I agree. I wonder if Jeff Lemire's gonna write Legion of Superheroes. You know, he already kinda did a little bit toward in that, the end in the of the uh, United arc. Yeah. He feels like he'd be really good at it. Yeah. Anyway, that's getting off the beaten path. Yeah. So let's do this. Let, let's take a quick break. And then we'll come back and we'll fly through the rest of this week's titles. Work for you guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. All right, folks, let's let's just plow through these DC books. Um, we're going to start with Action Comics number 996, which is uh, the, uh, the next part of this Booster Gold story, Booster Shot, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Will Conrad. Um... So this and how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps actually kind of go together mm-hmm. this week. Uh, both are Zod-centric and both deal with the concept of New Krypton, but not quite in the way that we have previously handled New Krypton. Zach, as the resident New Krypton superfan here, what did you think of this stuff? Not a whole lot. <laughs> Um, I mean, this clearly doesn't matter. This is like the same planet that Zod's hanging out on uh, in Green Lantern, which we'll talk about here in a minute, or I assume, you know, yeah, it's just in the future and none of this is going to matter. I assume I'm more excited about, uh, uh, whatever he, Lorzod, Chris Kent, um, showing up, even if he's old and evil rather than. (laughs) But in Hal, he's still young. He's young in Hal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't... I, I, I don't think that this is like the, the beginning of a, a new... I'm more, if, if anything, I'm interested in the like offhand mission, mention of this Earth Krypton War thing, which feels like event set dressing or something, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... Yeah, you're right. This is like a, this was like a big nothing burger, really. Um, can I, can I say my big pet peeve is, <laughs> I am so sick of comic book covers 
I mean, we were spoiled. The the solicit spoiled this. The the arc title has Zod in it, and like we knew what this is going to be all about. But the fucking cover has basically the last page of the issue right on it. Mm-hmm. So, and, I'm and, so and if there was about, any doubt about what was happening, it's it's cleared up by the the text on the cover too. So right, <laughs> right, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sick of comics doing that. I, I got to the end of this issue, and I know it's it's reductive to say like that that the ending is the end all be all, and that if you saw the ending already, it was spoiled for you, and nothing that came before mattered. Then you know that that's really reductive. But in cases like this, that's really true. I mean, you, the issue starts off with uh, Superman and Booster, like. still trying to figure out this planet that they're on and it's just their slow trudge towards what exactly what you see on the cover with Mm. really not no no new information in between really he has a run-in with the eradicator that i mean that's it you know so like we're spending a whole issue trudging to the thing that we see on the cover and i fucking hate when comics do that and it makes me swear (laughs) and and uh yeah, I just I comic book covers need to be better. I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, Although they're I will so say, bad lately, I think this comic book cover itself, like at least like composition wise, is really good. I really well, like a, the the like minimalist kind of. I don't know. There's something about the style, the the layout of the cover that feels like both modern and classic at the same time. Same with the Flash cover this week. Yeah, yeah. this cover. This cover is a good cover for. Next, the next the issue. issue, the issue in two weeks. Yep. Yeah. Same yeah. With, same with the Flash too. Both like yeah. reveal the villain at the end. Yep. And and I like how the title is in a different place on the cover too. That's something that's true of a couple books this week too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a cool touch. But yeah, I'm just sick of, I'm sick of uh, you know knowing what's going to happen in entire issues before you read them, whether it's due to the cover or the solicits. Mm-hmm. I'm getting really tired of that. Um, also, did anyone else think it was really funny that like John is following his mom around and they they felt the need to have a a box every once in a while where he's like, "Hey, I'm here. I'm 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 watching over you, mom." You know, like to remind us that John is there the whole time. You know, <laughs> that is such a Jergens move. It's so yeah. Jergens. Like, there's the. Yeah, every every page there's like a shot of John watching, and then at the very end, Lois says, "I don't need backup." And then of course he has to have John say, "Maybe, but if you do, you've got me." Right, Just, it's another it's another one of those things where uh, the art does a perfect job of telling you that that you don't need to have the characters t- telling us. Like, we can see that John, like, you, all you would need is one shot of John watching over in the distance. And that's that's all you need. Let the art do the talking. I'll take it a step further. Imagine if, like, three weeks ago, they didn't tell you that John was going to follow her, and you just saw somebody following her. And you had to figure yeah. out who it was yourself. And then at the end of it, it's revealed it's John, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not even Booster could save this issue. No. 
We'll start about Bruce. What boosters? We got confirmation that boosters sticking around after this, so that's we, good. He'll be in Batman come April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that brings us to Batgirl number nineteen, written by Hope Larson, illustrated by Chris Wild Goose, and um, this is the beginning of the Cold Snap arc. This is also Chris Wild Goose's last arc on the book. He is leaving the book, Aww. which is a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Have they announced who's coming up next? Um, I. I believe they've solicited a few titles, but I don't know if they've said if if the people and I don't remember who those people are offhand. If those are the, they haven't announced like a regular artist, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Why well, can't good things last? Nothing good is a pony boy. <laughs> what uh, what's he gonna do after this? I don't think they've said yet. Also announced today, uh, Carmen A. D. G. Domenico is no longer on the Flash. He's wrapping up his time <sighs> on that too. I God could actually damn. comics I, are bad again. Well, I could actually see Williamson stepping away from the Flash too because he's doing a Justice League book. Mm-hmm. So maybe that whole creative team is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of this issue? It was delightful. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's so much good little stuff packed in here. Um, I love the way that that Batgirl is like a, uh, a very street level book. But it packs all these little little touches in, little scenes. Um, I love that it shows uh, a flashback to Batgirl and Supergirl teamed up again, taking on this like libertarian, <laughs> anti-regulation, anti-science uh, uh, villain it? group. Spur. What? Didn't that actually happen? I thought it was a flashback. Yeah, but wasn't that a flashback to an issue that already happened? Oh, I don't remember. You mean, wasn't that in, like, one of the... Wasn't that in the Supergirl issue? Yeah, there was, like, a little arc with the two of them together. Wasn't that from that... Yeah, yeah, they've teamed up, but I don't remember... I don't remember them taking on Spur. They were, like, at a science conference. Okay, I just don't remember these villains. Yeah, I'm I'm not positive... I'm not arguing with you. I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out if this is if that was flashing back to something we've seen before, or if that was flashing back to something we haven't seen. Yeah, I don't know. We we read a lot of comics. We do. <laughs> um, I love that they are. Pl- <laughs> she catches them playing this like libertarian board game. Yep, <laughs> that's just fantastic. Um, and uh, and Chris Wild Goose is a master. The the fight with Spur again, where the one guy's got a chair, the other guy's got a guitar. Yep. Just masterful action scene stuff. I'm going to miss him on this book so much. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I also, what I, I thought you were going to go and say this before, Vince, but I love how Batgirl is a street-level book, but it's not dark at all. Most mm-hmm. street level books are gritty and dark, and this has none of that. And I love it. Yeah. If that flashback happened before, I can't find it because the bad girl ain't no I was thinking of. That was the like fake out Saturn girl issue where they like break into that prison and don't save Saturn girl. Remember there, uh, there was a whole thing with the Phantom Zone? Was that that arc? I I'll but that was in Supergirl, right? Maybe. 
I'm pretty sure that was in Supergirl, and I did kind of tune out in that arc a little bit, so... I kind of uh, almost hope it's not from something we've seen before, because that means that in this universe, Supergirl and Batgirl are doing more together, and I like thinking that. Yeah, it would be a weird little like thing, but that, that may be it. Here, let's see. Yeah, there is. Okay, there's that issue. Maybe maybe it was in that issue, and I just like tuned it out. Yeah, because they did tune. They did team up in that Phantom Zone arc in Supergirl. You would think we'd have gotten guys... the editor's box though, if editor's note rather, if that was uh, if that had happened in the issue. But you would you would think. Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting, but it is just fun to assume that they hang out. Yeah. Um. Did anybody bother to read Batman Beyond? I did. Why? <laughs> I don't know why. Because again, because the, the cover caught my eye. <laughs> the cover is good. Two good Jurgens covers, both doing this like minimalist thing with yeah. the with the title in a weird place. Yeah, the title's like down the side, and it's like a it's like the it's like a building that's upside down. It's like a shot from under upside down, so the gargoyle's pointing down, and it's just really cool. <laughs> very it's, cool. Cover. It's very very interestingly constructed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> too bad it had this comic inside too. of it. <laughs> yeah, the comic was really bad. There's this. Uh, uh, Stalker, was that his name? It yep. was like a, yeah. Yeah, just like a, like, hunting the deadliest game, of course, which is man. And who, who deadlier a man than Batman to try to hunt? Just, just blah all around. Absolutely, absolutely n- nothing additive to the DCU. And yet, in this. still not canceled. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love a I'd love a Batman Beyond or like a Beyond Universe line of titles that actually felt like it mattered or had some sort of direction. Yeah, yeah. This feels so small when the when the when the Beyond Universe could be its own thing and really cultivate stories and relationships. It's just not doing that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Blue Beetle, number 17, very quickly. Written by Chris Sabella, illustrated by Scott Collins. Anybody read this? I did. Yeah, I did, yeah. I, I, I skimmed it, yeah. Anyone have anything they want to say about it? Um, not really. It's, you know, I still think Sabella... Or somebody younger and fresher should have been given this book from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you have Jaime Reyes, this young character that people have been wanting to get back for a while. And you kind of doomed him, I think, by giving him this decrepit old team, you yeah. know? I mean, this is really just nothing. And, and I don't think this arc particularly saved the book or anything, but I feel like... It just got off on a foot that it could never, never recover from, and 
man, I don't know. This this was this was seventeen issues of nothing. It's really weird that DC has decided that the way to roll the dice with Jaime is in a solo book as opposed to in a team book. I'll never understand that. And every time it fails, it's not like he ends up in a team book. That, right, exactly. You know? That's what I mean. Like, you know, there's no reason he shouldn't be a Teen Titan in two months. Yeah. And 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 they were kind of like a focal point of rebirth, and now I feel like they've got nothing to do with you know, where is Ted Cord in all this? They were in that he, they were in the one shot. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. they started off they were like a pillar of this idea of legacy that they were bringing back, you know? And And that could be a lot of fun. Sure. If it's not filled with uh poorly written vaudeville banter. Who's poorly written? <laughs> Who are you calling scruffy looking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, Scott I'm always tr- does does good work too. Scott Collins does good work. I'm always interested in last issues. So like the, the next issue is the last one, right? Yes. And Chris Sabella gets to write it, right? I believe so. And this this arc is over, so it's basically going to be like a one-shot finisher to the series. And I always think that those are interesting because there's always a nugget or two that's like left mm-hmm. by the writer that either will never be picked up again, <laughs> it will never be mentioned again, or it's going to be something down the road that some other writer is going to pick up and run with. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested to to read it and try to guess what it's going to be. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the Superwoman thing. Like we could either see Lana Lang again in three months, pop up in some other book, and get her powers back, or she will never be back with powers again, and it will never be mentioned, you know. Yeah. Ever again. What I think is the, sort of the most interesting example of this are those like those books that came out right before the New Fifty Two, like the the most memorable one is that Justice League of America one by James Robinson, where he goes through like the three arcs he didn't get a chance to write, where he's like you know it's with Dick and Donna and they're on the the Watchtower and they're talking about like that battle they had with the so and sos or whatever, and it's basically him lying out like three years worth of story they never got to. Um, but I agree with you, Vince. It's always fascinating to see how these things are wrapped up and if there's stuff left hanging or if they really try and close off every loop or whatever. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. Um Let's talk about the uh, the demon Hell is Earth number three. Uh I don't know about for you guys. This issue I enjoyed the least of the series so far. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think I think there just wasn't much to it. It just kind of um I don't know. There's there's no rising or falling action. It's just kind of just kind of moving along at its own pace. Um I'm not really certain that I don't know. This is the part in these kind of mini series where um you know, when they have an issue like this where, where not much happens, it makes you wonder about the overall direction of the miniseries or what its purpose is. Yep. And I'm not certain what the purpose is here. You know, sometimes there's a miniseries that, like, 
rockets out of the gate and it's great the whole way through and and you you totally get why it exists and i thought there was a nugget of that in the first two issues like oh this could be building to something like with the references to uh, other demon knights characters and this idea that maybe some sort of mystic or um magical or dark magic side of the dcu was coming back mm-hmm. and then this this issue did nothing to convince me that oh, this is something that's going to stick, you know, it just kind of is treading water a little bit, you know? Yeah. There's no momentum here anymore, and that that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Not much to say about this issue at all. Yeah, I find uh, family dynamics far less interesting than most people do in comics. Find what? Family dynamics. Oh, okay. Like, you know, so-and-so is the uncle of so-and-so, whatever, that sort of stuff. Yeah. All right. You're talking about Etrigan being Merlin's brother? Yes. And all this shit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only interesting if you have reason to care about those characters already. And we haven't been given much reason of late to care about those characters, so... Yeah. There you go. Alright, let's 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 talk about the finale of Fall of the Batman from Detective Comics number 973, written by James oh, Tennant IV, illustrated by Jesus Marino. Oh, man, is right. Zach, why don't you start on this one? Um... I haven't been very keen on this arc, as you all know. And I mean, the ending was definitely a huge bummer. That woman kind of sucks a well, lot. <laughs> I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but go ahead. Um, but I feel like if we were to compare this arc to, say, the initial arc that had a similar ending. It doesn't quite stick the landing as well. And again, I think it kind of comes down to art. Yeah, the the, the art is the big problem. I, I think that those last couple pages, scripting-wise, I can imagine an issue where that is so effective. You know, you've mm-hmm. got you've got Clayface in conflict, and you've got cast like trying to pull him back and then time just runs out on both of them because Batwoman shows up and it was a gut punch the way it was but you're absolutely right about the art like there there was a way they could have done that with with some stronger art a little bit more creativity where it would just really rip me apart you know yeah and like Marino was not quite do it Marino's not a bad artist, but he's kind of this like DC house style from a few years ago type of artist, and that's yeah. fine, but it just doesn't doesn't stand out here. Yeah. Um so I thought it was hilarious that Bruce didn't realize he was driving into Clayface's mouth. <laughs> yes, that, that was great. <laughs> he just thought he was on some clay colored road. <laughs> well, this is weird. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> teeth. Um, so when, when, uh, General Kane gives Batwoman the gun, 
Doesn't he say, essentially, like, this doesn't have to be lethal? There's a way to retrofit it to not kill him? Mm, yeah. Or, and, or I, he implied that she could probably find a way, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's going to have to happen here. Yeah. I can't see them killing off Clayface, for real. No. No, I don't think so. Do you think it'll be drawn out for a bit? Because it. Do we think that this is like the event that future Tim was trying to prevent, or do you think that's something else coming later, or like is disregarded now? Like we're not going to deal with that anymore. I don't know. It's because we question. still we still don't have we've still not gotten to that future Kate flying around in the in the big airship thing you know right which obviously that's like way in the future but i'm wondering if this is supposed to be the the event that kind of pushes us towards that you know yeah i'm not sure about that um all right if it's true r.i.p basil Let's um let's dig into Doom Patrol. I love this cover too. Speaking of great covers, mm-hmm. this uh, Doom Patrol number ten cover, uh, written by Gerard Way, illustrated by Nick Darrington. Um, guys, this book—it's <laughs> really good. I mean, this may be the best book that DC is currently publishing, at least in my opinion. It's so consistently weird mm-hmm. in a great way. This is perhaps the weirdest episode or uh, issue episode <laughs> <laughs> uh, issue. So weird. I mean, it's it's basically a dada the entire time. Um, I liked uh, Flex Mentallo running around with the diapers. Yep, and him inspecting their refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, the idea that uh, Terry Nunn and Casey Brink are baby making. Just uh, by kissing the one time, I think, in the last yeah. issue. <laughs> uh, yeah. They kissed and fell out a window. You're oh, right. Well, you're you're correct. Well, you I know more it. about sex than I do, for sure. So, <laughs> um, Did you notice that on the cover it says Dick Nerdington? Yep. As the I didn't, I just noticed that now. Uh, have you guys? Have you guys checked? I well, we can't spoil for for next week, but this issue has has strong ties to the Milk Wars stuff. No, but DC did send me a uh, a like little uh, cardboard milk container today. Aw, so that's sweet. Yeah, that's nice of them. Isn't it though? Yeah, no, I I thought this issue was great, and and I like how this issue is starting to tie. When this book started, there were so many like disparate elements of it that I didn't know how they were all going to come together. But we're pretty much there now, with everybody kind of having everyone's involved with everyone else's business. Yep. Yep. It's good stuff. And it is really good. Yeah. Um, 
I just wish it came out more often. Yeah, exactly. All right. But it's fine. It's very good. It I'm is. happy that when it does come out. Yeah. All right, let's get to The Flash. Flash number 39, Perfect Storm Part 1, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Carmine DJ Domenico. Um, this has a very Superman the movie feel to it, with the Flash running Iris around and showing her what it means to be the Flash. I just mm. thought of uh, Superman flying with Lois Lane over Metropolis. Um, this is one of those issues that, like, it, it's very important to the overall storyline of the Flash, the series, but not a whole lot happened for this story arc in here. I mean, I don't. I felt like this was a pretty big issue. We, you know, we got the reveal of who's behind. Um. Black Hole, we got a lot of big, I mean, like, you know, pretty big Barry and Iris moments. We haven't really seen them together in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some Grodd. Yeah. Which, again, spoiled by the cover. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I just feel like... The Barry and Iris stuff, like I said, that's really important for the book in general, but I don't know what that does for this issue. Or the issues directly preceding it. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like all the Barry Iris stuff was important to the overall book The Flash, but I feel like it didn't really add anything to the story of this issue. I think we've I think we've wanted that from this book, though. Like I don't know. I feel like the last couple arcs haven't really done it for us. That's true. And I feel like moving these major pieces of Barry's life, because because what have we said? This this whole thing where he gets this like dark speed force in him, or negative speed force, and like that kind of stunts all of his relationships and things like that. Like I felt that was kind of holding the book back a little bit, and I think this issue really. Uh, really pulls away from that again and starts advancing things forward all all across the board. Here, there mm-hmm. was even a there was even a potential Max Mercury reference. Did you did you catch that? No. On the on the second story page, there's a thunder. Or there's a lightning there's a lightning strike that happens on a looks like an Indian reservation or something like that a yep. Native American mm-hmm. reservation, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Max Mercury a wasn't there some like Native American mysticism probably racist back in the day <laughs> uh, regarding that. And it made me think because you see you see all these other images of when when lightning in history is potentially caused uh, big changes a, or, a momentous yeah. change you yeah. know and then I thought it was pretty straight I there's like uh, what is that Thomas Edison and the uh, Benjamin Franklin 
Benjamin Franklin. Sorry, I'm a. I'm... Max Max Mercury did get his powers from a dying Indian shaman. Yeah, so that like, I thought maybe that was uh... That's interesting. Yeah. See, I was so overjoyed that Frankenstein and Ben Franklin shared a page. I didn't even think yeah. about the middle one. <laughs> then you're gonna love my erotic fan fiction comic <laughs> book that I. Fire, bad, lightning, good. Something like that. Okay. Does Frankenstein waste a minute of my time? Clowning around and slipping on nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. I slipped on some nuts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I I also enjoyed the hint towards the Flash War with with Wally. Mm-hmm. Oh, Flash War. Oh, next week. Yeah. The annual. Yeah, baby. DC's uh, five-week months are amazing. That, that's teasing next week's show. Because <laughs> we know you've read them already. Yep. <laughs> Whereas Zach and I haven't even begun to consider them. Well, I can't help that you're derelict in your duty. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Um, we also got, uh, our favorite thing in the universe, which is when there's like these, this like bisected page with different scenes from the past and future there. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> That's when he's running Iris around. Yep. And we see Captain Cold in one of them and we see, uh, the metal stuff. The metal stuff. Yeah. Yep. Isn't one of those, uh, what was the one, wasn't there a, a John's arc, that top, top right panel Mm -hmm. where it looks like a, more of a helmet. Yeah. Was that a John's thing? Um, what era of John's flash? Like the second, like. Shortly before Flashpoint, the, the post, the post rebirth, the post the Flash rebirth. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't remember. Started off with Manipole, I think. Yeah, it did. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, not important. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. Anything else to add about this issue? Mm, nope. Not for me. All right, we briefly touched on Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps before. Is there anything we want to add? Nope. <laughs> the Guardians are back. The Guardians are bad. The Guardians are bad. Uh, this is there's some Zod stuff, some young Zod stuff. It's it's dreadfully boring. Um, the 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 Sandoval art is. Fantastic. It's very nice. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't know, man. Green Lantern books are due for a big reboot. Yeah. Yeah. 
big time. All right, let's talk about the Hellblazer quickly. Number 18, the finale of the Bardo score, written by um, Richard Cadry, illustrated by Davide Fabri. Zach, did you bother to read this? No. Vince, did you bother to read this? No. Um, It was fine. I actually enjoyed this arc. It's not earth-shattering, not the best Constantine story I've ever read, but it was fine. Mm. Um, talk about Justice League of America number 23. There's a, there's a big a, a big bit at the end of this issue I want to talk about. Uh, written by Steve yeah. Orlando, illustrated by Neil Edwards. Should we just jump right to it? Yeah. Who's back, boys? Prometheus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who saw that one coming? Um, Is is this the the more egregious Alan Moore snub of the week or no? <laughs> I think I think it is. Really? More than Doomsday Clock? Yeah. yeah. Why? I think so. One because like I just <laughs> it's just. I don't know. This feels weird to me, and that, that's maybe hyper hypocritical after my just thoroughly not caring about all the stuff in Doomsday Clock. But Prometheus is like arguably a far less important property. Well, th- that that's what makes it interesting to me is that like you can almost understand why DC would go back to Watchmen. Like we can't leave that money on the table. But Prometheus, not that at all. Yeah. Right. And I and I know that there's people that love Promethea, and I'm not, like, it's... Here's well, the I, thing. I, I guess I'm also just, like, he didn't... Uh, did you see the stuff with, like, J.H. Williams being, like, I, this is, I found out when you guys found out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which seems weird. Like, I, I guess I'm more just, like, put off by how... Uh, secretive they were about this, which is, you know, usually I like to be surprised in my comics, but I don't know. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that, like, I understand the impulse to match this up with Watchmen, and people are going to, like, people are going to be mad at me for saying this, (laughs) But I don't think it's the same as Watchmen. I don't think the same deal was in place. I think the fact is is that back in the 80s, Alan Moore got a real bad hand from DC. And if you want to umbrella everything under that, then fine. That's, that's totally fine. But I think the Watchmen screw job was unique in its ineptitude on DC's part or it's or maybe ineptitude's not even the right word but it's like cruelty uh, or it's negligence cruelty or, or, mal- or yeah yeah something like that or or just um underhandedness you know mm-hmm. and someone can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think the same was true about the Promethea property now you can you can argue you know and i'm not interested in having this argument you can argue whether it's a good idea to use those characters in a mainstream DC book like this that has nothing to do with the style or the tone of, you know, 
this opus that Alan Moore and J.H. Williams were responsible for. But, I mean, you can argue that as much as you want, but I don't think this is the same sort of creator rights issue. I, I think, I think, it, I think it's just a, fa- and I'm not, again, I'm not excusing DC for this at all, but I think just the eighties was rife with that stuff. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe, maybe things should have been different. But I just still don't think you can put this up next to Watchmen and say that this is the same sort of egregious uh, uh, screwing over of a creator or something. And I, I find it – I even find it um, less egregious that they didn't tell J.H. Williams about this either. I just I just don't, I guess. Uh, See, I, I think it, it it's akin to me like if – you know, they, I mean, the care that DC takes whenever they roll out a Sandman character to make sure that Neil Gaiman is, like, obviously they're not going to go tell Alan Moore because, A, Alan Moore is, like, not, like, they probably can't even get in touch with him, you know? Mm-hmm. But it just seems weird to, like, J.H. Williams is someone who has worked with them recently and I would think it's on good terms to, like, not reach out and say, hey, this is a character you worked on, you know, not even like make the offer to like, see if he would like to be involved or have any creative input on it. You know, see to me, the difference here is that DC is clearly making a boatload of money off of Moore's Watchmen creations. I don't know if this moves the needle sales wise for JLA at all. Well, and no, so, no, but it's more. And so to like me, a, this is, like, but what I was gonna say is, to me, this is more of a creative decision. I wouldn't be surprised if this came from Steve Orlando. I'm sure it did. And but, I, but but I feel like that is less calculating than having. But even like when Paul Cornell wanted to use Death in Action Comics, they checked, they talked to Neil Gaiman first. Yeah, I guess that's right. But I I don't think they have to do that with every single one of their uh they don't have to properties, you know. They don't have to. No, obviously. They don't have to they don't have to ask Neil Gaiman anything. I mean, I don't know, he might have some does he have any financial stake in in Sandman or is it all just courtesy at this no, point? No, I believe he does. Maybe he does. Okay. Um I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it seems like a weird choice. I mean, it's kind of it's a lot like the the um, oh, I'm blanking on the other the other Alan Moore character who's showing up in the Terrifics. Tom Strong. Yeah, Tom Strong. Um, I mean, I guess it's a similar situation to that. Although he's already, I he is already like that's a character that's already been mined by other creators. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I don't know. This this just struck me as really really weird. Oh, it's it's certainly weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there. I think you know this. This probably doesn't mean much either. But I'm pretty sure this is not gonna end up being the Promethea that we. It's it's not gonna end up being Alan Moore's Promethea, you know. Um. Why do you say that? Well, I just mean like I, it's going to be over. I, I think it's going to be over in an issue or two, you know. And because isn't it implied that 
Isn't it implied that it's Vixen reincarnated? Or no? No, I believe... Ah, uh, maybe? I, well, there's that Bleeding Cool article that was kind of like that... That that kind of hinted at that. Um, it is weird how... I mean, I guess the costume that that guy is handing her kind of looks like... It just doesn't make any sense, though. Yeah, I don't get it. Right, well, let's move on before we break our brains. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> yeah. the final issue of Nightwing, The New Order, written by Kyle Higgins, illustrated by Trevor McCarthy. Um, I, uh, I started off liking the series more than I thought I would, and I ended up liking it just as much as I thought I would, which is to say not that much. It was fine. I wasn't, I wasn't terribly offended, even though there were a lot of, to me, out-of-character moments in here. But it was it was it was an okay series. So many, yeah, it kind of ridiculously so. Yeah, I like the cover. Yeah, beautiful yeah. cover. And and some of the Elseworld worldy stuff was fun. You know, Blue Lantern, Lois Lane, Robot Arm, Lex Luthor. A lot of cool action figures in this in this series. Costumes were <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, costumes yeah. were great. Yep, good enough for a ten out of ten. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Lex Luthor yeah. was a, a nice touch. Yeah. Um, I liked when they recreated the ending of Superman Returns. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I just didn't buy all this shit at the end either. With him being like, "Oh yeah, I uh, named him after the best." person i've ever known or whatever he lived out the rest of his 40 day, 40 years worth of days teaching students yeah exactly like dick's not that old in this it may sound like he's an old man <laughs> i named him after my asshole dad yep. <laughs> who was an asshole almost the entire time and then i forgave him yarp all right let's talk about the hottest new miniseries in comics Raven, Daughter of Darkness. Um, I'm joking, of course. This is not a hot new miniseries. It's a Marv yeah. Wolfman, Pop Mahan joke. Uh, joint, rather. But it is a joke as well. Um, I like Pop Mahan's art. Me too. I like him a lot, actually. Um, but no, I, I had no interest in this story. I gave up on the last Raven miniseries like halfway through. And I'm sure that's part of my lack of enjoyment here. Mm-hmm. But still, don't really care. This is a clear extension of that too. Like it's using the same family that she shacked up with, and uh, same like group of friends and things. Um, I think I'm going to use our time here to just Zach. Did you read this at all? Did you already say mm-hmm. that? No, I didn't. I'm just gonna <laughs> just really in my time. Uh huh. First of all, look at that cover. Look at that text above Raven on the cover. It's almost unreadable. Whoever's idea that was uh, should be canned, probably. Especially right? it's not even sent. Like it's like if they had just started it a little bit over more, that R wouldn't be uh-huh. cut off at the end. Oh God! It's 
it's insane that that's on. That looks like it's just that. That looks like somebody accidentally hit Control V yep. on some word art and pasted it in Photoshop like five times, and then forgot to delete it when they sent the cover out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to delete it. Yeah, exactly. Just un- unbelievably bad there. Um, but my my main point with this is, how much do you think a Marv Wolfman Raven series sells? I'm not looking at this at all. I'm just guessing here. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to say it sells... Um. Let's say in the like nine thousand copies a month. All right, Raven number one. Zach, are you already looking this up? Yeah, but you're probably gonna get to it before me. Okay, Raven number one sold twenty-eight thousand copies. This is the one from uh, two thousand sixteen. Right, right. Mm-hmm. What, first, num- first... what, what did number four sell? I don't know. Number two sold twenty thousand, so it was a I can't believe a that. Mi- minus twenty six percent change. Um, what did number four sell? Yeah, let's see. I don't have number four right now. It's just thrilling radio, but yeah. I, while, I th- while you're filling that, I one thing that you the font on the cover is different on the final release our pdf does look really wonky but the okay. cover on comicsology looks normal. <laughs> oh. okay so so that's a pdf thing so forget i said anything but still it's pretty unprofessional yeah. <laughs> to send us that all right number 4 was uh just a few copies shy of 18000 wow i'm shocked it sold that much okay so, but let's just say it's 20000 right, right? It, it finished up issue six. The last issue was at 16. That's where it ended, which is still crazy. I would have yeah. said half that probably. Yeah, same. Exactly. Yeah. All right. But let, let's say it's 20,000. Do, do you really think how much different would a Raven book sell if it were written by anybody else who's less of a name than Marv Wolfman? Like, if you gave that book to a young creator, either a woman or a, a person of color, a woman of color, you know, g- give somebody a shot on Raven, who's young and fresh, has a different perspective, you know. I'm not saying this just to be, like, just to, uh, you know, get laid or something, <laughs> you know. This is just, it's like, is this not the perfect opportunity? If you're going to put this book out, are you really selling 20,000 copies because of Marv Wolfman's name at this point? Uh, I, I think you are. I, you I, think you, I, I think you are too, actually. I was going to disagree with you. Yeah, I, I think that's why we're getting a, also a Marv Wolfman Teen Titans fill-in issue and we're getting a Marv Wolfman cyborg book because DC knows there's this like stalwart group of people who still love the like 80s Teen Titans that's insane to me. No, 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 man. I'm telling you, it's like Marv Wolfman, Chris Claremont, Keith Giffen. Those guys double the sales on a book. Yeah. Who is who? Who is reading that shit based on their names? People, the, the people, people yeah. ten years older than me, fifteen years older than me, 
who grew up with that stuff and who have stopped caring about contemporary comics, but will still buy anything that Marv Wolfman does. But it's the not people who would hate good. <laughs> the people who would hate your, you know, like <laughs> your um, Mag Visaggio um, Raven book. Like the people yeah. who would just buy that just to tear it up and right, right. So I don't know. The, I guess, but but th- these books are really not good, and there there are no story. Marv Wolfman doesn't have any stories to tell about these characters anymore. No, he just doesn't. And that is way more apparent in Teen Titans. Yes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just don't get like the the. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. See see if you'll go along with me on this. Is it worth the extra Okay. This this uh Deadshot Katana uh mini series from 2016 that was written by nobody you can remember at this point. Sold on average like twelve to fourteen thousand. Okay. Okay. So let's say Marv Wolfman's name boosts a Raven book by six thousand. Are those six thousand readers really worth going back to the well on Marv Wolfman rather than trying out a younger new creator and maybe you've got like a Ms. Marvel on your hands? Or uh, DC is very risk adverse, you know. I know. I'm just saying, like, can can we start? Can we start taking a little more risks? You know, like. Well, they did that, and it bombed. God, you're talking about DCU. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we're really stuck until until these old guys like. I mean, at this point, like, it hurts DC none at all to let. Marv Wolfman, Neil Adams. Somebody look guys. up how much how much Dead Man number one sold, by the way. <laughs> I'm, would that I'm, have been I'm gonna guess was, it. Uh, I'm gonna guess it, okay? That that would have been um Was that December? Yes. I believe so. So I'm gonna guess that Dead Man number one sold twenty six thousand copies. Hmm. Oh, hold on, wait, it must have been, um... November? It must have been November, yeah, my bad. Um... (laughs) What? What in the world? (laughs) How many did it sell? 45,000. Holy shit! The Glow in the Dark Edition, (laughs) which was at 499, sold 27,000 copies. The Standard Edition sold another almost 8,000 copies. Wow. So, in total, right about 35, 36,000. 
See, that's that's the thing, though, Vince. These guys still sell crazy amounts of books for them. So, so, so for a lot of people, comics are just this smoking habit that they can't kick. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, because I'm not I'm not convinced any of them are reading this Raven book and going, "Oh, this is really good. This is the Marv Wolfman I remember for sure." Well, here's the problem with this: is that there's no way that he can do what he like. It's it's I, in, in a way I feel bad for Marv Wolfman because the comics have moved on, but these are characters that he wrote as a young man, and so like he wants to write Raven and Starfire the same way he always has, but it's different continuity, it's all that, and so they're asking him to step outside of his comfort zone to do this, and I'm sure he doesn't say no to the paycheck, but it's not really doing him any good either. No, he would be way more suited to do like that um, that Teen Titans game, right? Yeah, a graphic novel that came out a few years ago. Like, double down on that stuff. Like, give, let him just write in his own continuity. Like when they gave Claremont that weird X Men Forever series that like continued from the Jim Lee X Men, right? As if he had never left. Um, give him that. While we're at this, let's just briefly touch on this Teen Titans book because it's we're we're talking about it already. This is a terrible Teen Titans comic. It's awful. It it has this like weird tension between Starfire and Beast Boy and Raven that's never been there before in an issue of Teen Titans, especially not in Rebirth. And uh, it was just I mean it's a complete waste of paper. Starfire is basically spank fodder the whole time. Yeah, thanks, Tom Derenick. <laughs> like, oh man, I hate this. I hate this. And I've, and I know Wolfman's done a lot of great stuff in the past, but I'm, I'm beginning to, I just dread every time his name is on a book, because sometimes stuff happens with it that's that's not his fault, like. If you see Marv Wolfman's name on a book, he's also going to, 50% of the time, get saddled with an artist that does shit like this, you right. know? He never gets teamed up with a top artist, you know? Pop, Pop Mahan is good. I, I like that art, but, like, he he usually gets saddled with a fill-in artist as well. Right, because... The fill-in artist usually goes for masturbatory stuff <laughs> over, you know, the the... the 20,000 rabid Marv Wolfman fans that are picking up his books are going to love to jack off to this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's... God. Yeah. It's it's got nothing to do with anything that we saw before with this team. It derails a book that was really good. Yeah, there is no reason... Titans has been great. There is no reason for this issue to exist. Other than, I mean, this isn't even a double shipper, right? This is no, it's a monthly. It's a monthly. It's a monthly. And the last issue wasn't even the, the last issue was part of the the Super Sons tie-in, and yep. so it was written by Tomasi and Gleason. So it wasn't even. I don't know if Percy was even involved on it. I can't remember. Uh, I just want to say we are we are equal opportunity in that there are a number of Starfire nut faces in this issue too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you know, I, I like to push back sometimes at, at people who think that um, creator-owned comics are automatically higher quality than than Big Two comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's weeks like this when you see good, like really good runs on comics derailed with a fill-in that it becomes apparent that they're, you know, even if I don't have a ton of creator-owned comics that are really doing it for me right now, at least I can say that those books are usually done on the terms of their own creators and... And uh, and what you get is a consistent product, unless the creators decide to do a fill-in themselves, which doesn't usually happen on those types of books. Like you're never going to see Saga with a fill-in, right? And if if they do, they'll it's take be... four months off instead right. of do a fill-in. And if they decide to do a fill-in because of you know maybe they get it's going to be high quality. Whoever they pick to do it, it's going to be a hand-picked thing. To you know, it's going to be somebody that Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, like, were, would agree upon, and they would do something different with it. You know, it'd be like a concerted yeah. effort, and that's just it's, the it's type kind of, of like with uh, it's like what Wicked in the the Divine does, yes, yeah, or did when they had that arc that I think had all different artists besides Jamie McKelvey, right? But it was to benefit the story, and they were very high quality artists, yeah, exactly, and so. Like, this is really where you see, like, oh, okay, like, at at their best, superhero comics are absolutely as good as creator-owned, you know? Yep. But they are willing to completely sell out an issue like this with total garbage and push it out just to get Teen Titans number 16 out there on time. And that's where the shame is. Uh, something very similar could be said for Suicide Squad number 34. Oh God! Which continues the little mini arc from last time with uh, with this uh, red shirt. Yes, yeah, Juan Soria character that gets tentacle. Uh... <laughs> you're, you're looking at the tentacle porn from the first page. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He gets yeah. tentacled on the first page. Somehow it gets worse than that. Yeah. Um, did either of you guys even bother with this? I I I did open it. I read the whole thing. It's not good. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, The Wild Storm, number 11, written by Warren Ellis, illustrated by um, uh, John Davis Hunt. This book continues to rule. (laughs) This book is so great. Just the opening shot of of them lying in the bed with the Wonder Woman sheets. Yep. So so good. <laughs> Just clothes strewn everywhere. Interesting posters, Wonder Woman sheets. Just a great design quality to this book. Um We got we got a little mention of uh Gen 13 and our yep. buddy John our buddy John Lynch. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> Yeah. I had looked up I looked up John Lynch because I forgot what he looked like. Somehow, I, I don't I don't know why I forgot, but the first image that came up was a, a New 52 image of John Lynch. And I saw him and I was like, oh shit, I had forgotten somehow. I think I'm losing it, because I had forgotten that all of that Wildstorm stuff happened in the New 52. 
Yeah, well. I've forgotten almost every bit of it. Unless it happened for Midnighter. in the beginning of the Stormwatch book, I can't blame you. <laughs> Remember when Jim Starlin rebooted Stormwatch midway through it? <laughs> yes. I do now. And they went back uh, to the yes. old logo. <laughs> but then it unrebooted again before the book was canceled. Yes. Yes. I think it was the last issue. They debooted, um, if you will. They debooted it. <laughs> Remember when Martian Manhunter was in that? Yep. You remember how bad that book was? <laughs> the beginning wasn't that bad. Oh, I didn't like it. I, I mean, it wasn't. I remember great, when you it... were with the Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's let's bring this to a close with the best book of the week, Wonder <laughs> Woman number 39. I'm just kidding. Come uh, on now. <laughs> uh, it's written by James Robinson, illustrated by um, Emmanuel Lupicino, and... Uh, Carmen Carnera, Carnero, rather. Um, Vince, as our resident Silver Swan expert here, <laughs> what'd you think of this issue? Uh, hated it. <laughs> oh, nice metal <laughs> film reference there. Look at that. <laughs> it was, yeah. No, I think nothing um, inappropriate about that joke. <laughs> no, nothing problematic in 2018 about that. No. Uh, I thought I thought Lupacino's art was the only redeeming quality of this. Um, there were a couple scenes where she, uh, t- like, did a, a stylistic touch that was kind of like um, the old George Perez, uh, Jill Thompson illustrated Wonder Woman Silver Swan stories. Okay. And I thought that was cool from an artistic standpoint, but the story is total garbage. It's just, um, again, it continues my my problem with sacrificing uh, the Vanessa Capitalis character. Um, and I'm sorry, but Jason is not only is the idea bad, or the idea is like distasteful to me, but he is just a bad character. He has nothing going on. Oh, he's so bad. He's like, he's just like smug. Nothing he does is ever earned. Nothing he says or does is earned. You know, he's not earned one bit of this. And then he shows up and he's like, I'm going to save you. And I can't stand a second that he's on the page. He's just a terrible character. Um, Did you guys both read this? Yes. Is he not just the worst? He is really bad, yeah. I'm trying to think who he reminds me of, and the only answer is Poochie. <laughs> Except I'm not wondering where he is whenever he's not on. <laughs> well, you're not yeah. in the comic. <laughs> it's just, it's... the. Uh. I, um... So this this issue pretty much had like three main bits to it. It had the the Wonder Woman Silver Swan stuff, it had the Jason stuff, and it had the Dark Side Grail stuff. And I will say that I I sort of enjoyed the Dark Side Grail stuff for what it was. 
like when it got to that point in the issue, I was like, okay, this isn't a garbage comic. This section, I mean, like this, if but the dark side stuff, the dark side stuff. Yeah. Like this is, this is fine. Sure. Uh, maybe. I think it is. I think that's also the, the most visually interesting part of, Yes, I want to see. I'll, I'll I definitely see agree with that. Draw that book, right? Because you get the female, the yeah, the female furies and um, and the weird the like boom tube, yeah, yeah, and the you know the like the ruins and everything. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's way more visually interesting, and I don't know, Dark Side just is, you know. Yep, he is. He is indeed. Sure is. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thank you for bearing with us for this. Next week's uh, going to be good. Yeah. I promise that. Yeah. Um, until then, go to multiversitycomics.com. Check us out there. Uh, Vince and Zach both have uh, manga reviews going up tomorrow. And we might. <laughs> uh, so you can check out my interview with Scott Snyder up on the website right now. And. Um, you can follow all three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. Matt Vince Ostrowski. I'm at SirFox89. And until next week, enjoy and um, drink that milk. It'll make sense next week, guys. I promise. Gotham is. That's just something you say to sound cool. <laughs>